Hey everyone, I am Laurie Ricciadoni, and you are listening to A Taste for All Seasons. This is a cooking, cultural, historical way for us to explore the world of food, with I hope some inspiration thrown in there as well, with my simple philosophy of eating with the seasons. Speaking of seasonal eating, I am super excited to share with you the launching of my first published cookbook. It's gluten-free Italian recipes. They're seasonal recipes for today's table. This food does change over the years, and certainly gluten-free cooking has really evolved. So whether you're gluten-free or not, there are some delicious, beautiful Italian recipes in there that are very accessible. And there's a rich, dark chocolate espresso cake uh, recipe in the book that I'm going to make for my friends uh, over the holidays. So I hope you give it a read and check it out. It's in paperback on Amazon.com. My podcast is also available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts for those that, you know, can't maybe listen to it when we first launch it. Uh, You can also get all the platforms on my website, laurierchidoni.com, where I continue the journey through food with that philosophy of seasonal eating. I think we could agree that we all love to eat. And most people have a favorite ingredient or a dish that we make over and over, that we really look forward to eating. I know that I do. But how many of us know where our much-loved recipes come from? Who invented them? And how they were originally cooked? Food for thought, right? We're going to dive into that today a bit and the history of cooking And as always, I'll share a seasonal recipe with you and some inspirational tips in the kitchen. And the ingredient that we will be exploring today is the oldest cultivated fruit in history, the date. The medjool date is what we will be including in a moist, healthy, delicious date and hazelnut bread. I call it a bread because it's not as sweet as a cake, but it does have a little bit of sweetness to it uh, from those juicy, creamy medjool dates. So if you are a curious cook and eater, you will want to stick around. So go grab a cup of tea or coffee, get cozy, and join me on this interesting journey through the history of food. Here's a question. When was cooking first invented? Who developed the very first recipes? Okay, that's two questions. These are questions that I ponder. The earliest estimate for invention of cooking by phylogenetic analysis was two to five million years ago. Two to five million years ago. Wow. Hominids shifted away from the consumption of nuts and berries to begin the consumption of meat about 250,000 years ago, and in part it was because hearths started to appear. This is actually an accepted archaeological estimate for the invention of cooking. For the sake of time, we will start with the nomads. And based on the research in the southwest of Iran, they've estimated that most probably nomadism began in Iran about 8,000 years ago, but it does vary from country to country. Food is as old as the history of humanity. It's essential to our survival, right? Food not only keeps us moving, but it unites us. It it can unite friends and families, the tribe, really creating support and strength in the community. 
It really has transformed the way that we live. We could spend hours talking about the history of food. It goes way further back than modern Europe. But we will take a relatively short journey back to when people lived as nomads, hunting and gathering for their food, really for their survival. And the diet of nomads was very much dependent on if they had livestock or not. And if they did, the diet consisted primarily of milk products and meat. And the traditional nomadic animals were sheep, goats, yaks, and camels. I thought that was interesting. And they would be milked, and the milk was used to make butter and a kind of yogurt. And many didn't have anything to eat until after the milking was done. It kind of reminds me a little bit of intermittent fasting, which is really popular in some circles today. And what that is, it's a fasting for about 14 to 16 hours. What that does is it gives the body a rest. It gives the organs a rest because our body has to work pretty hard to digest our food which in turn would potentially give us a healthier gut and better digestion. I know that uh, I do that from time to time, and I have to say it does make a difference. And um, I've been finding it beneficial uh, myself. Also, one could argue in foraging times that everyone knew about food and cooking. It makes me think about the lifestyle of the nomads. They kept moving for different reasons. Nomadic forages uh, forages moved in search of game and edible plants, water. In kind, they had a deeply understanding, a deep understanding of what was beneficial to eat and what food gave them strength. They might not have thought, thought about it in that way, but it seems to me that the ancient people connected food as medicine. Most of us have heard the expression, let food be thy medicine, the father of medicine, Hippocrates. And all medicine was a type of food up until the 20th century. Physicians used to prescribe either food or dietary regimes, like certain ways to eat using plants, which had a great role in both curative and prevention. Food sustains life. It sustained life. It stands to reason that different foods promoted different cures. In my mind, the history of cooking is connected to the history of medicine. This is a little side note, but it was the 1700s, I believe, the French word restaurant, restaurant, the definition was to restore. And today, many of us are so fortunate to have access to our farmers, which in turn give us food that is rich in nutrients that supports a healthy lifestyle. And when you think about it, everyone really had professional knowledge to some extent, food knowledge uh, to some extent, identifying edible plant sources. So cooking is a deeply ancient profession. And most food has its origins in plants. So it looks like we've come full circle as more and more humans are eating a more plant-based diet these days. I know that's true for me as well. And based on the Bible and historical records, Jesus most likely ate a diet similar to the Mediterranean diet, which is the diet that all the centenarians eat, which includes foods like kale and pine nuts, dates, those beautiful dates, olive oil, lentils, and soups. And they also did uh, bake some fish. And as I said, dates are the world's oldest cultivated fruit. And most of those uh, foods were eaten fresh and in season. 
had no refrigeration. They had nowhere to store the food. Talk about farm to table. I mean, it originated way further back than, than, um, we, we think of that today. Just, you know, in, in this century, but really it started way, 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 way before that. And the primal diet, which is really what the paleo diet is, which focuses on eating fish and vegetables, nuts, healthy fats, and some uh, lean meats, which is a really uh, nice way to eat for some people. I'm not advocating that anyone should eat in a particular way because we all have different constitutions. Food affects each of us in a very unique way. We have to listen to our body. I think that divine wisdom inside of us really uh, will tell us um, sometimes uh, right away, if I eat something, you know, before I even swallow it, I can tell whether it's going to have a negative or a positive effect on my body. So you really want to pay attention to that, I would say. So as I said, food sustains life. So it stands to reason both then and now that different foods promote healing to the body. These were also people that experimented with ingredients to see how they were cooked, particularly when they started making hearths out of stone to heat their foods, really learning new techniques and methods, which today we use these techniques and methods much in the same way, much hasn't changed, you know, building a fire, applying um, whether it's vegetables or, you know, whether it's plant-based or animal protein and really learning how to cook that and what the heat is going to do and how it transforms it into something that's really delicious. I believe that these are the founders of the culinary arts. By the way, there are still millions of people scattered around the globe living as nomads, whether as hunter-gatherers, herdsmen, or craftsmen selling their wares. So really, this is a very, very broad topic. And if you are interested in a deeper exploration of the history of food, look up food historian Rachel Loudon. Because we're going to go into our recipe part of the podcast where I'm going to share some delicious, beautiful, very accessible recipes with you. Staying with the topic of cooking, I thought it apropos to share a recipe with you today made with that world's oldest cultivated fruit, the beautiful date. Did you know that the date palm has been prized from remotest antiquity and may have originated in what is now Iraq? The fruit has been the staple food and chief source of wealth in the deserts of North Africa and the Middle East. And it was the Spanish missionaries that carried the tree to the New World in the 18th and early 19th centuries. And not only are these creamy, perfectly sweet morsels delicious, they are super healthy. They have essential minerals in them that our body really, really needs to thrive, like calcium and iron, sodium, potassium, magnesium, zinc. There's actually some others, but... I mean, that's, you know, a pretty heavy dose of minerals. And there are those that consider them a jewel date and aphrodisiac. They're rich in amino acids, which can boost sexual stamina. So there you have that. 
But before I share my delicious date and hazelnut bread, I, I want to tell you about this cozy, healthy drink that I've been making. This is a little, little kitchen inspiration. It's just been so wonderful and a, a healthy little warm treat. And what I've been doing is soaking a handful of dates in fresh goat's milk overnight. You could use almond milk or cashew milk, really whatever kind of milk you want to. And then I grind them in the same milk with a mixture of uh, cardamom powder that I use cardamom pods. I believe in using spices whole and then grinding them in a mortar and pestle. They're just that much more uh, beneficial and delicious. They're very, very different uh, in flavor, but you know, cardamom powder is, is fine. Uh, and some raw honey. You could also add some turmeric, which I do. Uh, it does wonders for the body. In fact, the spice has been used for thousands of years throughout the world, and it's been used for pain management, digestive issues, you know, going back to let food be thy medicine before pharmaceuticals, you know, companies came into play. And there are all sorts of ailments that turmeric addresses. And I love it for its vibrant color as well, right? We eat with our eyes first. And I put it in my smoothie uh, every morning. I would warm this up a bit. It's a treat in colder weather. And it adheres to the Ayurvedic principles of warmer food in the winter, uh, which I think makes sense, right? It's colder out. We want warmer things. We want cozier cozier food, um, comforting food. And that drink is absolutely delicious. So I would give that a try. Okay, now for this amazing bread. On the surface, a date bread seems like a pretty simple deal. But I could tell you with one bite, you will realize that there is much more to it than meets the eye. And we're going to be making a medjool date and hazelnut bread. And I call it a bread, as I said earlier, because it's way less sweet than a cake. And it could also uh, be had as a healthy, nourishing breakfast because it has lots of protein in it from the almond flour. And I also uh, put a little coconut flour in there and arrowroot flour so it's completely grain-free. And also this can be easily converted into a, a vegan recipe. There are eggs in the bread, but applesauce is an incredible substitute for... Uh, for eggs, unsweetened applesauce I would use. Um, really, really easy. And instead of melted butter, you could use uh, melted coconut oil and it will be equally as delicious. The full recipe is on my website, laurierichardoni.com, along with many delicious gluten-free seasonal recipes for every meal and mood. Also, there's a, a plethora of seasonal gluten-free inspiration uh, on all my podcasts. If you haven't listened to them before, they're all listed on my website, each podcast that I've uh, done in the past. And we're in the winter now, so we are going through the seasons. And in addition, I feature a monthly article with uh, a seasonal gluten-free recipe each month in Sophia Magazine which is right here in Asheville, but it is also offered digitally each month. I trust you got a bit of kitchen inspiration today and will go and create something for your friends and family or for yourself, right? Why not? Just such a beautiful gift to give yourself the gift of food. 
I'm very excited about my next podcast, which will air on Saturday, January 29th, and I'm going to have a conversation with the owners of Black Trumpet Farm, who grow beautiful mushrooms right here in Asheville. And we will talk about not only the medicinal values of uh, so many mushrooms, but also some beautiful uh, recipes that I've been playing around with. So we'll have a little culinary inspiration in there as well. So I hope that you will join us. And I also just wanted to take the opportunity to say thank you so much for um, those of you that listen to my show. I really, really appreciate it. And I wish all of you a beautiful new year and many blessings. I want to leave you with a final thought, food for thought. We now have an understanding that food is about much more than deliciousness. Food is a sacred practice inherited from all our ancestors that promoted connection and support, giving strength to the tribe. What better way to connect than with food? Even so, it's not just about breaking bread together, but making bread together and sharing our stories, our roots, and laying down some new ones together. And what better place than around the table? Bon appetito.